1: Liar. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston.
0: It's gonna be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway! What's up guys? My name is Soman Ali at Soman Ali NBN. Twitter here joined by Michael Shapiro of SI Now. How you doing Michael?
1: Doing pretty well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing all right. It's been a while since we talked. I think the last time we podcasted was July, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. It's been too long.
0: So I got to be honest, I've been holding out on releasing a podcast this week for a very specific reason. My intuition was that last week was going to be the week we got the Rockets' uh, coach hire coming down the pipeline. And that obviously wasn't the case. So now we're going to get a jump start on our offseason preview podcast. Uh, it's now been six weeks since Mike D'Antoni told the Rockets he wasn't returning, uh, so I tweeted out this morning, but this is now the longest head coaching search the Rockets have had since at least 1982, and it could be even farther back than that. That's just where the trail runs cold as far as the information goes. Uh, I had Ben DuBose on the podcast last time, and I asked him this question, so I'll throw it to you for our first topic. Why do you think the search is taking so long?
1: You know, I think it's kind of a situation where the Rockets aren't necessarily uh, competing against other teams for their candidates that they're kind of eyeing right now. You know, are these jobs have been filled, of course, after they missed out on Ty The jobs in Philadelphia are filled in New Orleans. So I think that uh, Tillman Fertitta is making sure he's doing uh, his diligence. Also, you know, Daryl Morey leaving the organization might have put a potential wrench in their plans. Uh, I think it's really a case of being thorough Uh, I don't know how much the kind of economics has played into the Rockets' decision here. I don't know if it's a matter of haggling, uh, but it just kind of seems as though they can afford to be patient in this situation where they're not battling other teams. So there's no real harm, I think, right now in making sure you get the right guy to replace Mike D'Antoni.
0: So to me, and you can disagree, this really kind of does confirm that they wanted to bring Mike D'Antoni back for real. And a lot of people, some very smart people, that are plugged in. Thought the Rockets were posturing when they said that, but I think they were for real. And I think Daryl Morey viewed bring Mike D'Antoni back as plan A. And D'Antoni kind of surprised both ownership and the front office by jumping the gun like that right after the season ended. Um let's go ahead and make our final guesses. Uh we know that Jeff Van Gundy, Stephen Silas and John Lucas are the three finalists. Who do you believe ultimately land the job?
1: You know, it's kind of it's hard to kind of pin who it's going to be at this point. I don't think there's any... Uh Real, I guess there is a leader in the clubhouse a bit to a degree. You know, I kind of thought for a while that Lucas was gaining momentum, that seems to have fallen. I kind of think that considering Lucas is standing in the organization, it's going to be Steven Silas. I think the idea of bringing in uh, kind of a very smart schematic and more of a new agey mind, pairing that with Lucas's kind of relationship with the players, I think that's kind of a winning strategy here for the Rockets. I think they can kind of have their cake and eat it too, in a sense of, you know, they can continue to be very analytic minded. They can continue to be very forward-thinking, but they still kind of have uh, another key coach from the past era that'll kind of help smooth things along if Silas needs a bit of an adjustment period as a new coach.
0: Yeah, I was asked this question twice this week. I think this is probably a toss-up between Jeff and Gundy and John Lucas. Like th- That's what I said. And my gut has told me all summer that they want to bring Jeff back in the organization. And if I had to pick one, I think it's Jeff's job to lose. Uh uh, but I'll say this, like as soon as John Lucas came up as a potential candidate, I knew they were serious uh, about him and the stuff you're here, you're reading about him, about how the player is really close to him. That's not bullshit. Like it's 100% true. And I know the front office, uh, and this includes Daryl Morey, by the way, would go to John Lucas when they wanted to gain the pulse of the team. And that front office is fond of him. They've been since they hired him in 2016. Uh, whatever coaching staff the Rockets assemble, I think it's very clear at this point that Lucas will be a pretty prominent part of it. And there's some continuity there in terms of how Houston wants to play because he's already on the staff and he's been there since 2016. And you get you get to keep all your other guys, I think. I think he's highly underestimated by Rockets fans right now. His connections not not only run deep in the organization, but throughout the league.
1: Yeah, you know, you kind of raise an interesting point about the continuity here and that uh, the Rockets, I don't think, wanted to see Mike D'Antoni go. I kind of really agree with that. You know, if they didn't want to see him go, you'd think that – or if they did want to see him go, they'd probably have a candidate lined up. So they were sad to see D'Antoni go. They were sad to see Maury go. I think having Lucas there as at least one piece of that kind of last era, I think, is really important, especially considering that they want to continue, of course – going all in with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So I think Lucas, uh, I don't think he's going to get the head coaching role, although he seriously considered it, but I think him as a lead uh, assistant here, especially alongside Steven Silas kind of feels like a rocket's move. Uh, you know, Van Gundy, I think that his uh, admiration that Tillman Fertitta has for him could really give him the nod ultimately. Uh, But if you're asking me to make a guess here, I'll go with Silas I'm not too confident in that. I'm not going to act like I know by any stretch of the imagination, but that kind of seems like a move the Rockets will make that would make some sense here.
0: It's it's a bold choice. Like if they do pick Silas, it would definitely be a move that would surprise me. So let's talk about free agency. I wrote about the off season yesterday, and you guys can go read about it on Sports Map. But I had a tough time writing this. In fact, I would say this is one of the hardest articles I've ever written about the Rockets in six years writing about the team. Uh, because here's the thing: when I had to write about the Rockets before, I w- I would say I had a pretty good grasp of the organization from top to bottom. Like I knew how Leslie Alexander would operate as an owner. I've got I've grown accustomed to Daryl Morey's hyper aggressive, value seeking approach as a general manager, and I knew the kind of style that Mike D'Antoni wanted to implement as a coach. Over the last three years, the Rockets have changed owners, changed general managers, and they're about to change coaches. Not only that, but their front office has been picked apart. Dennis Lindsay got hired by the Jazz. Sam Hinkie got hired by the Sixers. Gerson Rosas got hired by the Timberwolves. Monty McNair got hired by the Kings. Like This is a completely different organization, top to bottom. On top of that, this is a pretty pivotal moment for the franchise. James Harden's about to turn 31, and... He has two years left on his contract before the player option. They just got bounced out of the second round in pretty ugly fashion. And like, here's what I'll say about Tillman Fertitta. Like, I still don't feel like I know much about him. All I know is that he's unspoken. He hasn't paid the luxury tax yet. And from everything I've observed, he's much more hands-off than Leslie Alexander was. And by the way, when I say that, I think people think that I'm defending him. And... That's not what I'm doing, like I'm just reporting to you what I've seen, and good and bad owners come in all shapes and sizes uh, that they could be hands off, hands on uh, There's not really any sort of trend line there, and I know everybody wants to make a judge a value judgment on you know Tim and forta right now, but again, we're three years in. He bought the team in 2017. To me, that's not enough time to make a complete assessment of ownership yet. And I certainly don't don't know anything about Raphael Stone. He appears to be a pretty sharp guy, but he's still a first-time general manager. And who knows what his style is going to be. There might be some continuity of thought because he's been with the organization since 2005. But we don't know if he's going to be a laid-back GM like R.C. Buford or ultra-aggressive like Daryl Morey, or maybe even in between the two approaches. Like I just don't know how they're going to approach this offseason. And I kind of guessed when I was writing the article how they would approach the offseason, which is basically like a normal organization. Uh, I I didn't even like assume that they would operate like a Daryl Morey team. And you know, I'm just curious to hear what you think. Like, without getting the specifics, how do you feel about the Rockets generally going into the offseason?
1: You know, I think it's kind of a a shaky situation long term, uh, obviously, considering the lack of real depth they have on the roster, the lack of future assets, the age of their stars. Sure. I think that going into this offseason, it's kind of a situation where you can't expect anything too consequential just because of the way the roster is shaped right now. Right. I think that, of course, Harden and Westbrook, at least this year, aren't going anywhere you know, perhaps they try to move Eric Gordon, but his contract is pretty toxic at this point. They're going to try to make some moves on the margins. I think there is some continuity of thought, as you said, with Stone and Mori. Uh, I think it's going to just be some tweaks to the vision that was created, more than a real overhaul. I think that
0: and, will- and Eli Wittis, by the way, uh, he's an analytics guy, and I they're not phasing out analytics from their no.
1: from their thinking. Not, not one bit. Yeah. You know, I think that the Rockets will, will make some tweaks, as we said. I think they will try to bring in a legitimate center, at least some guy with size. Maybe not to start, but at least off the bench. But just the lack of flexibility in general, I think, kind of creates a situation where you're going to see largely the same roster entering opening night. I think the kind of interesting questions will arise if this team is struggling near the trade deadline. And next offseason, this year, you know, it's a pretty simple checklist, right? You know, it's let's try to sign a legitimate big. Let's figure out what to do with P.J. Tucker, Uh, and maybe try to get Austin Rivers back. I just kind of think it's a situation where it's a kind of a cataclysmic thing where Maury has left and we don't know the general direction of the franchise for the next decade. Uh, But for this year specifically, I'm not expecting wholesale changes.
0: So you kind of touched on it. And I think the first natural question that's going to come up with Houston is going to be, do they blow it up and trade James Harden? And I'm going to say what I've always said in regards to that topic. When teams blow it up, they're usually in pursuit of a player like James Harden. And usually, that player that they try to get is not as good as James Harden, and they already have that guy in hand in the prime of his career. And not only that, they have a pretty good roster around him. And usually, when you're in that when you when you're in a position like that, you you keep trying until the wheels fall off. And there will always be time to rebuild. That's not the case for a contending team for a championship. Like you only get limited windows. And if I'm Houston, I'm writing it out until James Harden comes to me and tells me he wants out. Like, there's a reason general managers don't trade players like Kevin Durant and LeBron James, even when they're on the last years of their contract, because they know these odds. They know that attracting superstars is a low probabilities game. And when you have one, it's much easier to keep one than try and get another one, right? And try to rebuild. I think, um, you know, this whole idea of trying to rebuild because you're just tired or you're frustrated, you're like I, I don't think that's a healthy way to look at things. Uh, I think it's much health it's much healthier to look at team building in what your roster looks like right now, what position you're trying to get to, and what are the best ways to get to that position and the rockets you know it, it, at least from ownership it seems like they're still trying to win a championship so i I don't understand how rebuilding gets you closer to the championship rather than trying to build around the edges here.
1: Yeah, I mean you're hundred percent right. The the much, much, much more likely scenario if James Harden is to ever leave Houston is that he's gonna come to the team and say, This isn't working, you know. I'm either gonna leave him free to see or trade me. I don't think there's really any world, especially this year, where they're going to trade James Harden, I mean, the, there's no real scenario where you can even get fair value back for the guy or anything close, you know. So unless Harden is the one putting the Rockets into the bind, you know, there's no real world where the Rockets are going to go out here and, uh, you know, try to chain, trade James Harden and go into some massive rebuild. That doesn't make any sense. You know, <laughs> he's perhaps the greatest score of his generation. You know, he finishes in the top three of the MVP every year. So um, I think that's a bit of a quick bait. Uh, kind of conversation, those who kind of want to stir the trade drama there. James Harden isn't going anywhere uh, unless he demands it.
0: Yeah, so let's play a game. Uh, I'm going to name a player, and you tell me if you would keep or try to trade them this summer if you Houston. We already discussed James Harden. So let's start with Russell Westbrook.
1: Uh, I I would try to wait a year, I think. you know Perhaps you can get some modicum of value for Russell Westbrook right now, but... I think the more important point is, you know, for a large, large stretch of the season this past year, you know, Westbrook was really good. He was their best player. He had the most efficient year of his career. And it did seem, though, uh, you know, despite his playoff struggles, I think that there is really a blueprint to making this Harden and Westbrook thing really hum and really click. You know, it's not out of the question that this team goes with Harden and Westbrook and they both play great and they win 50 games next year. Now, is that enough to win a championship? No, probably not. But, like, you know, if you trade for – Buddy heeled or some other kind of lesser piece in a package, I don't think that's going to bring you closer to a championship either. I, I would try to wait on Westbrook and give this partnership another shot. I don't think they should blow it up at all.
0: Yeah, they're not trading Westbrook. Uh, it's it's going to be something that fans are going to be tempted to, to want to do with the trade machine this off offseason, but I just don't think that there is a trade out there that gets you closer to a championship with Russell Westbrook. Uh, and I don't think... Uh, the Rockets have the assets, frankly, to attach to Westbrook's contract to make him a, an attractive piece to, to for teams to want to take him on. Frankly, uh, I, I think that contract is a do not touch for a lot of teams, and I don't think uh, I don't think it's fruitful to try to explore that conversation. Maybe you try to call to just 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 to gauge value. I mean, I think you know teams are always doing that, but I, I don't think it, it's, it's a situation where you're really going to get any traction on any sort of deal. Um, yeah. So. Let's move on to Robert Covington.
1: No, I mean, I think I think Covington's another, you know, really good asset. He's on a very nice contract here for the Rockets. Now, perhaps if you're saying we can upgrade and get a third star and it's going to take Covington, maybe that's a conversation. But, you know, he's he's an incredibly impactful defensive force, you know. Uh, and He did show, you know, he's not the strongest player off the balance. He's not a creator, but he is a solid shooter. Uh, but, you know, his defensive acumen, his shot blocking on that contract, I, I don't think that... Uh, He's going anywhere personally.
0: He's probably the best value contract the Rockets have outside okay. of James Harden. I would say, uh, sure. like, yeah. like, like he, the the Rockets trade for him uh, midseason for a reason. I don't think they planned on moving him this offseason. If they did, you know, forking over two first round picks like that, like they, they they clearly see him as part of their future moving forward. He signed to a multi year deal. Uh, I think they want to continue playing micro ball. Robert Covington helps them play microball in a way that a lot of wings across the league just can't do uh he he's definitely in that elite three and D wing con conversation um and frankly I, I I just I like I don't see a trade out there uh that the Rockets would be willing to entertain in in terms of just moving Robert Covington like it it doesn't make sense unless they were blowing it up right and we already discussed that we both don't think they're gonna blow it up
1: yeah no I, I think that He's a really fantastic player, and he was, a, he was a good spirit for the team. I felt that, you know, he kind of brought both a calmness and kind of a, a focus to the team, which I thought was pretty impressive in the, in the season, and really right away. I mean, he showed up, and they, you know, really found their gear right away. I think him and Tucker together is just such a fun pairing. It's such a disruptive pairing. It really helps fuel the team.
0: P.J. Tucker.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, we're starting to get a little more interesting here, right? I think that him, and I don't want to spoil it, but Eric Gordon are the two guys you would kind of discuss. Now, on one hand, um, Tucker is, you know, in a lot of ways, the heart and soul of this team. He makes this small ball experiment work. Also, it's kind of a tricky contract situation, right? You know, he wants an extension, uh, I believe, next year, right, as the last year of his current deal. I think the Rockets will first try to work out an extension. I think uh, you know maybe adding another year onto it with some solid money isn't a bad idea because that could then take you through the end of Harden's contract. So if you know, the Harden thing ends badly, that's when Tucker's money would come off the books as well.
0: It aligns with Harden's player option, I think. Exactly.
1: exactly. Right. So that was my point. If Harden wants to blow it up after 21-22, if you were to extend Tucker one more year, then they would align together was my point there. Um uh, my general point is, I think that they will try to extend him first, uh, try to find a deal. You know, they're not going to break the bank for a guy of Tucker's age and you know, kind of offensive limitations. I think that any kind of trade for him would have to occur in more of a spiral situation. I don't think they'll be proactive with a PJ Tucker trade right now. I think that Gordon is a more likely candidate for you know, kind of a proactive win now trade for the Rockets.
0: Yeah, uh, P.J. Tucker, uh, his contract—I mean, it, it, it was a great value when they signed it. It's—it's it's an even better value right now. The—the uh, the problem with trying to extend him is—I he, mean, he's thirty-five years old. I, I, traditionally, the Rockets do not extend those kind of guys, especially uh, th- this late into the contract. I—I uh, I think the Rockets more than likely they write it out or as you said, they add a year onto it. Like he is definitely the heart and soul of their team uh, in terms of micro ball. It doesn't work without it. By the way, hold on. Like I just want to get off on a rant here. Like everybody's just kind of adopted micro ball and, and I'm not getting any attribution here. Like, like can, can I just get a little bit of credit for that? Cause I got mocked absolutely mocked when i threw that word out there right everybody was like what the hell are you saying man This not gonna it's not gonna catch on now everywhere i go everyone's just using the term throwing it out willy-nilly microbo microbo it's everywhere
1: uh you know i'm gonna be honest with you i've seen it in the offseason a couple times you know i saw it on, on espn actually a week ago and i thought you know solomon does deserve some credit here uh that he's not getting now i will say that you seem to be claiming a lot of the credit yourself so it seems like your your own hype man to a degree but it is impressive that this uh phrase has really caught on i i personally will remember that you're the uh the inventor of the phrase
0: well, well thank you thank you well, he, he, here's the thing the only reason i remember it and the only reason i'm so passionate about it is because i was mocked about it it's not mm. it's not because i'm particularly proud of it there's, a, there's an element of me that is proud of it but it's more that i that i tried to make it a thing and then people were making fun of me for trying to make it a thing
1: you're ahead of your time truly are
0: right <laughs> Back to P.J. Tucker. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they try to move him this year. I think more than likely they try to add a year to his contract. If not, uh, they ride out the rest of the season.
1: That's my assessment, too. I think that, you know, a lot of Rockets fans after kind of a, a disorienting offseason here where you lose your coach, you lose your GM, you really got pounded by the Lakers. They're kind of itchy to, to shake things up. But I really do think that this is largely going to be the roster that we have uh, in 2020-2021 was the one that we saw last year. So that's that's my take on the matter
0: even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay what you need you can pause your account at any time And there are no long-term contracts plus indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more qualified candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Eric Gordon. So this is the most fascinating one. It is. on the roster this off season for sure. Um, so I I I don't think I don't believe the Rockets have a major trade in them. Right. But if they do have a major trade in them, I think it more than likely involves Eric Gordon. And I think if they're going to make a trade, it's going to happen at the draft. Because if they're going to trade Eric Gordon, they're more than likely trying to get a first round pick back and use that first round pick to get someone better of value. Right. Because Gordon has been bad enough to where it's like his contract looks a little sketchy. Like the extension they just signed him to, I mean, Obviously, he can still bounce back. And obviously, he's still a wild card. He can still look really good for the team. But when Eric Gordon's playing at his best, they look unbeatable as a team. But he has not played at his best for a full season now. And obviously, he's had the knee issues. He got it drained midseason. Then he got hurt again towards the end of the season. But teams around the league aren't going to view it like that. They're going to be like, listen, man, Eric Gordon's value has tanked. Just completely tanked from where it was a year ago. Uh, a year ago, he was Houston's most valuable trade piece alongside Clint Capella, and now he is probably holding them back. And I am not sure uh, what Houston decides to do there. I, I m- my best guess is that they don't see a trade out there that gives them significant enough, enough value to want to move him. Especially if they try to trade him in the draft. I don't know if there's a pick out there that warrants trading Gordon for. Him, if that makes sense, because this draft is so weak. Uh, I don't. I don't know if they're going to be necessarily satisfied with the return they get. If they do try trading him, I I assume they're going to try to get a role player of significance back, but Eric Gordon at his peak is probably going to be better than that role player. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I I probably agree with that. And it's true, you know, when he's on that kind of three headed guard monster, you know, especially in the Chris Paul era, it really was scary for the rest of the league, but he was just so hurt. and, And when he wasn't, you know, off, you know, off the floor, he really was not effective. You know, he's going to make $16 million this year, $18 million the next. Um, so it's really kind of a, a difficult situation here for the Rockets. I think that there might be some kind of a, a pathway in terms of if the Rockets think that there is a solid big they can land, plus even uh, a... a middling kind of wing you know I think the Rockets kind of feel that they can plug and play a bunch of different wings Um, so perhaps if the right big is available they'll try to move Gordon but I just again I agree with you there's not much value there considering his contract so they might kind of be stuck with him this year you know the rookie class perhaps they draft a guard or a wing they like and they pick up a big but Yeah, it's a weak draft, and and there's no real options out there. You know, I hate to keep poo-pooing the idea of any trades. Gordon is still the most likely, but I still kind of find it hard to think that there's going to be a deal that comes to fruition here.
0: See, the thing with Gordon is if they were going to trade him, they were going to trade him when his value was high, and they're not going to trade him when they have absolutely no leverage. Uh, it, at least you would think, right? Like again, we still don't know. We still don't have any idea if Raphael Stone's gonna be a good general manager, right? We're just assuming, uh, that he is gonna operate like a normal general manager, and a normal general manager would not trade Eric Gordon when his values is this low, right? No. And um, so yeah, uh, I I think we we about covered that. Uh, Daniel House. So the way the bubble ended for Daniel House was really really sketchy and it's the kind of thing where like if he wasn't a good player, if he wasn't a valuable player, he would have been cut by now. Cuz that that that's that's what he did. I mean, he he put the team in jeopardy for something so stupid and so selfish and if it were any other player uh on any other contract, I think he would have been cut by now. But because he has value because he's um he is he is who he is as a player. I think he is probably a good trade ship if Houston decides to part ways with him. I don't think they can just simply cut him, like I, I don't like. But I do think there there's a possibility. Now you and I weren't in the locker room during the bubble. We don't know how that affected everybody else. But there's a possibility that that ruffled some feathers.
1: Yeah. I mean, of the three options, you know, cutting him, I think is, is last that's not going to happen. Um, and, and it's probably more likely he comes back to the fold. I think an interesting thing to consider is, you know, while Gordon's contract makes him, you know, not untradeable, but it makes it very hard for a trade, you know, house's deal is, is so small. You know, I think any team uh, would want to bring him in as an asset. I think kind of, you know, his relationship with Harden the team, it's hard to parse. I mean, we really have no idea. Um, if it's really fractured, perhaps the Rockets would be smart to dangle House sooner than later. Um, I've kind of thought that the most palatable way to make the Eric Gordon deal work is to include Daniel attach
0: house. Daniel house yeah, yeah that's what I was gonna say right yeah because th- th- that's that's the way you make that contract a net zero right because because then you can you could you could attach a positive player onto it and then perhaps if you want to attach another first round pick then you can get real. so at, at that point you're really cooking with fire you can get someone of significance back.
1: Yeah, there, there's some interesting kind of ideas out there. Now, what I don't personally like is, like, you know, you send them to to Cleveland, you know, who wants another young wing. They can swallow the contract for Andre Drummond. Now, that's your mileage might vary on that, but the kind of idea of, of a bigger name, a, maybe a legitimate big um, for Gordon and House could make some sense. Now, again, I... I think the league is enticed by Daniel house and he's a pretty, he's a pretty darn good player. I was impressed at how he really grew uh, as a dribbler and a playmaker. You know, he can make plays off the balance, which and he kind of filled Gordon's role in that regard, which was very helpful for the Rockets as they kind of lacked a third playmaker. Um, but you know, I'm not going to make him into an all-star anytime soon. So the only way I really see them trading him again, is if it's an attachment to Gordon and kind of a bigger deal. Um, I think it can be repaired. I mean, he did in a way, uh, you know, kind of tank their season a little bit with his actions, but I don't think the Rockets were going to win that series. Anyway, if Harden and Westbrook can kind of let bygones be bygones and house comes back with a good attitude, I think he's going to be a very valuable player for the Rockets, uh, moving forward. So I don't think that he is, you know, out the door necessarily for sure, but he is an intriguing trade piece. I'll admit that.
0: Yeah. If I were him, I would try to massage those relationships and try to get back in the good graces of the team. And if I were Houston, I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Uh, and if not, I mean, I really do do agree with you. I think he's probably a good attachment piece to an Eric Gordon deal, or you know, I mean. So, do you think they would outright trade him for a first round pick, and then use that first round pick in a different deal alongside Eric Gordon? You know, now we're really getting out of the box here, right? Like now, now we're talking like if they really want to shake up the back end of the roster, this is the kind of creative stuff they would do. But I don't know if they want to shake things up that much. But if they do trading him for a first round pick and then attaching that first round pick to Eric Gordon just to see what what kind of value you can get that that's interesting that's a, that's something i'm just now thinking of right now
1: perhaps i think you would have to know uh who that asset is for Gordon you know i don't think you necessarily want to flip house and then you know be holding a pick in your hands and Eric Gordon you know you would have to kind of have that deal set in stone the right. pick for house thing is interesting you know he is 27 he has two more years left on his deal. So a rookie is, of course, you know, 19 or 20, and he's also going to have four years on the deal. But I think for a team that wants to win now, unless it's, you know, some kind of top eight pick, which I don't think it's going to be or anything like that, there's no guarantee one of those rookies is going to help you even at all. You know, he's going to be a positive player at all this year. I think the Rockets, as Fertita has said, you know, still see a pathway to the title. You know, I think that is semi, semi-legitimate, even in a difficult West. So um, despite House's, you know, screw up in the bubble despite him being you know 27 I still think they'll try to hold on to him unless they have a very solid deal in place
0: yeah I think so too um yeah. Ben McLemore
1: um you know he he fit in really really well with Houston you know he's kind of a perfect guy for James Harden Russell Westbrook because he'll so let it fly from wherever he's the ultimate spacer you know he loves to run the floor and catch and shoot um you know how much interest are you going to get on the market for Ben Macklemore? Maybe if it's a straight up swap for a center you like, that's kind of interesting. Um, Man, you,
0: you're really into this. Rockets need to get a big uh, narrative, huh? I, I think they,
1: I think they do. You know, I don't think it needs to be a starting center, a big money center. I don't think it needs to be Stephen Adams or, or Drummond or anything. You know, but like a Noel ever guy, you know, I think has been mentioned. Of course, you know, me like a Dwight Powell kind of guy. I hope he is actually very good. Um, they need some kind of legitimate size. I mean, you got to have someone who can spell PJ Tucker these minutes. Um, and it's also a kind of situation without a big right now, where if front court guy goes down, what the hell are the Rockets going to do? Right. So do you feel differently about that? Do you think that they can kind of roll with, with the same kind of front court composition as they had last year?
0: So it's interesting, right? Like I think Rafael Stone wants to walk the center and I think they tried to get a center after the Robert Covington trade. And I, I, I think, you know, in terms of the kinds of guys they're looking at, I would look at those cheap centers that we're talking about right now. Like, I don't think they're going to go out there and, and and be on the market for like Karis LeVert, right? Like, that's not something they're going to do. I think th- I think more than likely, you're right. They're going to look at the Noel types. And if you're going to do that, I think there's a watermark. I think you can only have like one of those guys on the team. I don't think beyond that, I, I think it's really hard because the floor spacing just gets too congested. And I think you, you're really, this guy's really only going to play when Harden's on the floor and Westbrook's on the bench. So it's like a 15 minute big, right?
1: Yeah, right. They're, they're not going to break the bank. And I, I think, you know, that's why I view Stone as kind of an extension of Mori And that might just be due to circumstance. But, you know, you kind of look at the Rockets cap sheet, you know, you look at their their kind of options here in free agency and it's only, you know, really the best move that you can see is, you know, maybe you want another playmaking forward, but at the end of the day, you know, some kind of rotational big, I think, is really the big thing on the checklist. And, you know, the interesting question is, you know, is this a title contending team with a solid rotational big? I think it's not totally out of the question. You know, they're not the favorites in the West by any stretch, but They'll, you know, they'll be in the mix if they can make enough moves on the margins here, you know, or at least a couple solid moves on the margins. That's what I think the off season is going to look like, instead of some kind of um, big trade blockbuster fest.
0: Yeah, if 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 Porzingis was still in New York and if the Rockets had assets, that, that that would be a fascinating fit, right? Like he is the ultimate. Oh my God, he's just perfect for this team, right? But there's just not, there's, there's just, I mean, there's a reason they call him a unicorn, right? There's just not many players out there like that. And, uh, I, I, I don't think you the Rockets are going to find someone like that in free agency. Um, all right. This, this is going to be fun. Uh, David Nwaba.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, you're kind of getting into the guys where it's like, you know, I, I don't know how much value they have on the open market. So it's kind of like, why would they trade them? You know, I think that, um, David Nwaba is going to be a guy that Rockets Twitter and the Rockets fans are really going to latch on to. It's going to be kind of the, why is it Nwaba? I, oh, you know? I, I, I'm
0: latched on. I'm latched on. I, I'm I'm interested in David Nwaba.
1: He's very long. He's very athletic. You know, he has, he has some little kind of bounce, you know, to him off the dribble. He's going to, um, you know, maybe he can kind of fill that void as another, you know, pseudo big and just kind of be another body. I think that Nawaba, that was kind of a sneaky, nice signing by the Rockets. Now, I, I think that it did kind of go noticed by the kind of hardcore fans that he can be an impact piece next year uh, to some degree. So, no, I mean, I wouldn't trade Nawaba. I'm kind of excited about him now. Sometimes it's a situation where role players become, you know, so untradeable that it's kind of funny, you know. I uh, kind of think like Gary Trent with Portland last year, but you know no one's offering that much for Nawaba at this point. I think he does have good value, so he's not going to go anywhere.
0: No, I hear you. And they signed him to this contract for a reason, right? He's coming off an Achilles injury. They knew he was going to miss that entire year, and they, they wanted him for this season. So the Rockets basically signed him to a one-year deal, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they paid him a little bit of extra money up front. Um, yeah, I, I, he's interesting. I, I think, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. Like if Austin Rivers walks, he's a nice guy to fill in those minutes off the bench. Uh, he he is uh, he is the kind of piece that. You know, Luke mute was a really interesting, like fourth or fifth wing that the Rockets had two years ago, and he really helped to plug in the holes, especially when there was injuries. That's the kind of that's the kind of role I envisioned for David Nwaba. He's really switchy, has a seven foot wingspan. Uh, he he really found his role last year as a power forward. Shot forty two percent from three. Which is insane. It was only twenty games, uh, so that was likely going to go down. He's still a career like thirty five percent three point shooter, and uh, that's good enough to where the Rockets are going to give you some volume. Um, and I don't know I, I like him. Oh, and I, I I didn't touch on Ben McLemore. Uh, he's so dirt cheap. I don't think the Rockets are going to wave. Like no. he, he he was very much the first David Nawaba in, in that the Rockets signed him as an interesting project piece, uh, just to see how he would work that first year. And he did really good, and his contract is so dirt cheap that they're not going to exercise that team option. They're going to they're going to keep him.
1: Yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you about Rivers real quick. You know, he he stated that. He'd like to return to Houston. You know, he obviously likes it here and playing with Harden. He's found a real home. What I think is interesting is that there might be a a bit of a market for him, you know, not not breaking the bank, but you look at teams that have cap space and have some voids, you know, it's like Detroit and New York, both desperately need at least some kind of fill in at point guard. I think other teams kind of feel as though they would, you know, want to pick him up. So do you have a feeling that he is definitely going to come back? I kind of think it's a more interesting situation than people think. I think most folks assume it's going to be a done deal. I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting.
0: Quite the opposite. Like I've had a feeling all year that Austin Rivers is going to walk. And okay. yeah, it, it might be the best thing for both both parties, honestly. Like Rivers has been more of a luxury piece than a necessity for Houston these past, like just the past year and a half. Like when everyone in the guard rotation is healthy for Houston, there's just not much oxygen for him. And he's not the most effective off-ball player. And honestly, if someone like David Nawaba works out for Houston, that's someone who fits much better in those reserve mi- minutes than Austin does. Same with Ben McLemore. These guys are just more natural playing off the ball. And Austin, I think he sees himself as a bigger rotation player somewhere else. I, I, I think Austin has a, re- a lot of confidence in himself. I mean, he said so, he said as much after, I think he had like a 50-point game. or what, what, He had like a 36-point game, right?
1: Yeah, it was his career high. He I said, I, I can be a lead option now. Yeah, <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, i I don't think he I don't think he could be that, but I think he he sees himself as probably like the best guy off the bench, you know, maybe the second guard on a team. Um, I I think Austin Rivers can be that, and I think that's what he's going to seek in the offseason. I think, you know, uh, as far as Houston goes, I I think he's probably uh seen his last game in Houston. I just that's just my feel. Like I I just think that the the Rockets could use a better fit in that kind of role, and Austin. Probably sees himself doing more for a team offensively.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the role specifically, I think, is is a good point because off the bench, you know, theoretically, if guys are healthy, McElmo's, of course, a much better shooter. Nawaba would bring more size as a defender, and Rivers is a nice player. I, I do like his game. Um, it's it's not flawless. I think he is better when he can actually be more and more involved in the offense, as you said. Um, he kind of did shine in those games when Westbrook was out, and then he saw kind of in the playoffs that his impact and his minutes kind of fell off. So, you know, I think we'll have a legitimate market, you know, he was a great locker room guy for the Rockets, you know, I think he really became a leader of a team. And I think a, a young team, I know I mentioned New York and Detroit, those kind of teams could use a voice like Rivers, who's been around, who's been a veteran presence um, and, you know, kind of knows how to fill his role well. And I agree.
0: Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. Um, yeah. uh, as far as Jeff Green is concerned, I think he's a guy that might out, out price Houston and, Like Austin, that might be a good thing for Houston Uh, because if you have to spend more than the biannual to keep him, it's just not worth it. And even I would be reticent to give Green even more than the minimum contract. Uh, When you're talking about improving a team like Houston on the margins, Jeff Green's minutes probably present the greatest window of opportunity to do just that. The Rockets need some, some size and some defensive versatility in their front court. And while Green is... Nice as an offensive small ball five option, he's just not good enough defensively, and even when he's at his best, he's just not there and for both of those guys, I just think you have a spending limit if you're Houston like yeah if, if you can get Austin back for a minimum contract or if you can get Jeff Green back for a minimum contract, like sure, go ahead and do it. but beyond that, I get a little hesitant like like i I think if I'm Houston. Uh, I I look for better options there because I think that's where you can really, if you're trying to improve the roster, you know, you have this possible nine million dollar mid level exception, right? We don't know if they're gonna have it. We don't know the projections yet. the The league has yet to release the financials of next year. Uh, but I, I I wrote the off-season piece assuming that they might have it. If if you're gonna if you're gonna have that, you'd ex- you'd rather explore the market for those kind of guys for nine million. Dollars a year kind of guys than, you know, guys like Jeff Green and Austin Rivers, who are more biannual kind of guys.
1: Yeah, you know, Green's kind of an interesting player where the Rockets have kind of uh, potentially priced themselves out of Green's market by virtue of reviving his career, right? You know, they kind of picked him up and made him into this very usable player and actually, you know, pretty impressive player again. Uh, But I think that, yeah, some team's going to fight in which the Rockets can't afford it. He is a nice offensive piece, but I think as we saw uh, against the Lakers, the, the Rockets need Uh, to either have enough size, you know, to compete in the Western Conference playoffs or they need to kind of have enough maniacal energy and effort and turnover generation. Green doesn't fit either mold, you know. He's kind of a, you know, slow kind of, not exactly very big backup five. So yeah, perhaps he could be gone. I I think that it's something the Rockets could kind of um, fill a spot. Now, of course, he is nice as a kind of a pick and pop player with Harden, but I think in the right circumstance, that's again, as you noted, more of a luxury than a necessity.
0: Yeah, he can't be your zone buster in in big playoff games. Like that can't be, that can't be what you're doing, right? Uh, it, it, I I think Jeff Green is a, again. I, you're right. The Rockets re- revived his career a little bit in terms of playing him as a small ball five, and, and I think teams around the league are going to see that that there's some value there for Jeff Green. But for Houston specifically, I think their front court is kind of weak in terms of their defensive versatility. And I think they could look for some good, better options there. Um, let's talk about the tools there in their tool chest, because I think this is Houston's biggest question, right? Like in terms of evaluating Tillman for Tita as an owner, the reason I've reserved judgment is because I it's only been three years and we still don't know if push comes to shove, if he will put all his chips on the table. This is one of those summers where like if he backs off, if he decides to play cheap and spend minimum contracts across the roster to fill out the roster, like... That, that that's that's when you have a better picture of what Tillman is right like the, that that's when you can kind of confirm what you already suspected but if he if he goes all in if he spends his taxpayer mid-level exception if he spends his mid-level exception and his bit is biannual exception then you'll know that he's for real in terms of this commitment to winning and like I'm not sure what the Rockets have at their disposal because I'm not sure what Tillman is but if I'm Houston. That's what I that, that like that's where you can really improve the spending. Like like that more than anything, like that more than their cap space, cause they don't have any cap space, that more than their trade assets, cause they don't have many trade assets, is is how you improve the roster. Can you spend big money to really chase these free agent uh role players? Cause these free agent role players are gonna be highly sought after because there aren't star players to occupy a huge percentage of money, right, in the offseason. Like there's not a star player out there that's like commanding a large chunk of money from these teams so these role players are going to be highly sought after and you know everybody at this point is going to have a mid-level exception in their pocket to spend if the Rockets don't even have that they can't compete they can't compete with these other teams
1: yeah you know it's not exactly the best uh, economic time to kind of go on some spending spree if you're for Tita but you know he, he seems to um you know, have, have enough money flowing in here. And and he does seem to care a little bit about public perception. You know, I don't know him personally, but it seems as though, you know, he does want to be a well-liked owner and be regarded as, as, you know, rightfully so as someone who's helping the franchise here. I think that, you know, they might not spend all the way up to a 9 million kind of thing, but I don't think that they'll, as you noted, uh, potentially fill it with guaranteed minimum guys. I think that you have to understand that when you're paying Russell Westbrook and James Harden uh, and even, you know, Eric Gordon, this much anyway, it's, more important to kind of make the right moves on the margins than try to, you know, skirt it here and there. And I know that his track record is not perfect, um, but I don't think we're going to have a totally cheap skate off season here. I don't think that kind of is the evidence that we've seen at all thus far.
0: Yeah. I, again, I, I don't know. Like, like I, I, I'm I'm not, I'm not holding anything against fatigue. I, I don't know if he, he might, he totally, he totally, totally might fill out the roster with minimum contracts. I, I am not taking that off the table because he's done that before. Um, but in terms of like th- what the fan base should expect of him, they should expect of him to at least spend that taxpayer mid-level exception.
1: Yeah, right? I think that's a pretty fair mark, right?
0: Right, yeah. Like, and when you get to that nine mil, that nine million le- level area, like that's where like there are only a few players that are worth that in terms of the free agent marketplace for role players. Like, there are some really good role players out there, right? But after that top tier it gets really dicey. And after that, you really don't want to spend more than $9 million on a role player. Uh, you might have to, if, if you're, if you're really trying to chase somebody in particular, but if you're not that, that 5.7 is taxpayer is not unreasonable at all.
1: No, I agree. I think, I think that's probably worth their land. You know, maybe, um, you know, adding a couple players instead of, you know, going and sporting on that full 9 million might be their best route.
0: Yeah. Um, there's no trade out there that's going to really improve them on the mar like on the margins much because you're talking about giving away valuable role players. Right. So I don't think uh, there, there's really something out there that you know if they just if they flip, let's just say Eric Gordon, I, I don't think there's someone out there that's going to make them a, a significantly better team.
1: Right, I agree. I think the big changes for the franchise, if they come. Uh, will come next off season or potentially the one after I didn't think this year you know they're going to try to ride their two stars make some improvements on the margins and see if they can go out there and make another run at the title I don't think that you know 50 wins is out of the question I don't think a top four seed in the west is out of the question you know the, the competition is very tough obviously but the Rockets aren't punting on the season I don't think they're going to be um, anything short of competitive next year.
0: Well, listen. This was fun. Uh, we're 45 minutes in, and the Rockets haven't hired a head coach, so that so that's good. This podcast is still up to date. I'm very excited about that. Uh, so subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're fan of the show, give us five stars on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Swamali NBA, and follow Michael on Twitter at MShop Two. I think is that what it is? Nailed it. MShop Two. All right, guys. Good night.